rewind to the first one. Uh, it was like, we didn't know what was going to happen. And so my thing is always like sales is the lifeblood of your business. Um, so it's like, if you're open, you go hard, you try to get as many sales as you can, you get as much revenue and recurring revenue that you can. Um, and you, like we said, kind of stack that cash up. For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now here's your host, Dwayne and Ali. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Ali, good morning, sir. Yes, to you as well, Dwayne. A little earlier for you than it is for me, but yeah, it's great to always be on talking with you. And I enjoy our little 10 minute pre-conversation before we even go live. You know, sometimes it's uh, it's just what I need, you know, motivational wise or, you know, uh, yeah. It, so uh, it's just great being on with you every week. So, uh, you know, if you're not live and you don't see us, uh, uh, we're, we've decided to both wear blue. I don't know how. Yep. It's almost the same color blue, and we didn't even uh, talk about that. Isn't that weird? Did you ever see the movie with Clint Eastwood where he is like a drill sergeant in the military, the Marines, and all of his barracks are, that he trains always come out with a different color shirt? Oh, you brought this up before. Yeah. And, yeah. and he always said, you know, he always says, you, you got to match my shirt. And, and they went down to trying to cheat and spy on him and all this stuff until they started to just naturally be in tune. And then they finally start coming out. Everyone just felt it and came out with it. So maybe that's what we got going on. That could be. I mean, we worked together for long enough, right? We've been yeah. friends long enough. That Exactly. Isn't it crazy? So, yeah. Yeah. And I, still, and I still didn't invite you to my wedding. I know you're going to bring that up. <laughs> I, I thought about it. I actually did, but I decided not to, but you brought it up. So <laughs> well, I, I definitely, you know, that I would have, right? Oh, like, no, no, no. I know why. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so um, we, we already have a user, a Facebook uh, visitor already online with us, which is kind of cool. Jeff Lovering is on with us. He's a good friend of mine from the area, um, the school owner for many years. So good to have him here with us right now. But uh, yeah, so today, so today is the what if episode, right? And we do have a special guest coming on around twelve o'clock, um, and uh, you know he's going to be—he's uh, from Academy Kings. He's one of our sponsors, but he's also going to give his us uh, give us his take on different things to think about in regards to what if, what, what if we get shut down again? What if we, you know, we have a, you know other mandates thrown upon us, et cetera, et cetera? It's kind of interesting. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to talk about the COVID what ifs. Um, right. You know, we've already. The nice thing is that we've already gone through this before. Um, the not so nice thing is, you know, if it happens again, you know, we're not sure how that's going to look, and you know, it, how long we would be closed, or what are we going to do? Would there be a stimulus like there was before, and you know, all of that stuff. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the near future. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I just and here here's the weird thing, Dwayne, when this all started in New York, I started this thing called the New York State Martial Arts School Owner Task Force. Um, I, I called it a task force because I spoke to another guy who did something similar in Florida so that it sounded more official and that people would take it more serious. And um, and so he gave me that advice. So I did. And then I just picked people from our area um, that, uh, you know, we would talk about things that we were going through with our, you know, so-called mayor and governor. And, um, you know, anyway, long story short, it was a very big help because people were 
so afraid, right? And they were, they were afraid that they were going to get shut down again, or they were afraid they were never going to be able to open, or they were afraid they were going to be fined, and so on and so forth. So much so that I just posted this morning, um, I, we take care of in our camp, a daycare uh, brings their kids to us on, well, we're done now, camp is over, but every Thursday. So they would bus in, you know, 25 kids, and we'd teach them for an hour and a half. So I spoke to them about what they're mandated to do. And um, let me pull it up and I'll read it to you. But it was an interesting comment. But and then then what happened was once I was able to read it, um, I posted it. I got such mixed reviews from people like right away. You get those bubbleheads that are saying this or that and that's not good. You know, so anyway, so I wrote for those of you that are in New York State, this came from a friend of mine who runs a pretty large daycare for children. I asked her the protocol, what's going on with COVID. And here's what they wrote. She wrote, um, well, once the executive order from our governor expired at the end of June, so did the emergency regulations requir requiring us to follow the CDC mandates. Um, we can now make our own policies as we see fit, but also following some guidelines such as reporting and quarantining. Um, currently, we have a staff, a full staff and, and visitors wear a mask. Um, children are not required to unless the parents prefer them to wear the mask. We can only encourage it, though. I, and she says, I will not force my any children to wear a mask if um, if their parents don't want them to uh, it said uh, we have to we still have to contact trace um, so if we have a case we know close who and where it came from within 48 hours um, and then uh, if they've been exposed to someone for over 10 minutes we have to close that specific classroom um, but we collect uh, we still collect 50 percent of the tuition and if there are repeats in the same class then we may waive the tuition so this is pretty interesting information from them and it says um, if you have a different time group or a different group, only the group that's exposed is the one that you have to quarantine or shut down for 10 days. All other groups can attend as long as you give them a clean, disinfected area. Um, we also screen and temperature uh, check all of our visitors. Teachers do wellness checks as well. Um, and uh, parents assign an, attest an attestation form that will be screening at home prior to drop off. So they want their parents to do due diligence if the kid has a fever or if he doesn't feel well. Um, anyway, so I thought that was interesting. And then I got someone uh, said, uh, you're just fear mark me. I'm just fear mongering. You know, I'm scaring people. Don't listen. That's stupid. You know, but really, honestly, it was quite quite amazing that that certain people like thanks for the info. And it was interesting how we got a little bit of insight of what daycares are doing, which is very similar to what we're, we're in the same restriction as them. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's, but you're not under, you're not under a mask mandate anymore, correct? No, according to her and according to what I believe too, and I've read, we don't have to have a mandate on masks right now. Although I've had parents that have read the code, but the code is up from 2019. They haven't updated it yet. So, and I'm like, no, that's the old one. We've we've had updated codes as of June that said that we're not mandated to have students wear a mask. It's optional um, and they can choose to or not to, it's up to them. Yeah, our governor signed that it's we're mandated to wear masks. You're back to wearing masks, it's mandated well, now? Well, we're not, we're not doing it, but right. yeah, I mean, it's it's mandated. That's interesting. Did you get any kickback from people or pushback from parents going like, where you, why aren't you wearing masks? I think I have one or two parents that haven't been in um, since we, we, yeah, maybe only two or three actually, no, two that canceled memberships because of the masks were lifted. And then I had one recently because we had this COVID scare in our daycare that that mom hasn't been back with her child since. 
Um, so it's kind of scary. But anyway, long story short, we're doing pretty well. When people come to me to join, they're like, do you wear masks? And I'm, I do that old thing like, do you teach Taekwondo? And I'm go, do you like Taekwondo? <laughs> like, right. you, know, you know, so they say, I hate Taekwondo. Then I'm like, oh, we don't do it. You know, I love it. Well, we do something similar. So I do the same thing. Are you, um, are you uh, interested in wearing a mask? And if they say, no, we don't want to, I said, that's up to you. It's optional. So I don't really push them in any way. Well, and I like that you answer their question with a question. So that way you're, you, you don't say the wrong thing. And I think that that's important. Yeah, exactly. Well, be careful. Cause I used to fall for that. They're like, do you do Taekwondo? I'm like, nah, not, not at all. And they're like, Oh, I love Taekwondo. I'm like, okay, now this, I'll call it Taekwondo school. Right. You know, yeah. I, would, I would lose the client. So I always ask before I, you know, before I say anything. So cool. So what's going on with you guys? So you said that's quite kind of, I don't even know like what to say. Like you're, you know, they want you to wear masks, but you're not going to do it. Um, well, are you getting fined from that? Would like they, are they, yeah. So what's, no, what are they yeah, doing? Yeah. So our, uh, our, our mayor in our town is not, uh, um, you know, tagging anybody or, or doing anything about it. Right. And that was the same thing back when uh, in June, when the uh, masks were lifted as well. Right. Um, you know, or even no, the masks were still in effect, but the mayor said, do what you want. Okay. So as long as the mayor is saying it, you know, I'm not going to have, unless somebody turns me into Illinois. Right. You know, um, and then I'll just, I'll go from there. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because it's every different township might have its own mandates versus, and that's the confusing thing for people where, where I think that, especially for business owners, um, forget about people in general, but I think business owners, because we fear we're going to lose our business, lose our livelihood, livelihood, maybe get fined, get in trouble, be labeled as the people who don't care, that kind of thing. Um, so there's a lot going on there that we have to really worry about. Yeah, my, my, my wife was concerned about that. She's like, you know, back in June when I said, all right, no more masks or, or you know, ma our masks are optional, you know. Um, no, excuse me, July. July is when I did that. So everybody wore a mask in June. Once we once we moved into July, it was it was optional. So but, you know, she was like, are you, the optics, are you concerned about the optics? And I said, no, I'm not concerned about the optics. I think that, you know, when it comes to op optics, you could see that the narrative is how you spin it. Right. Like right now, you know, like, you know, um, Pol politically it's it's a spin everything is about the spin right you know like how is it make it look and how can you spin it towards your advantage so i think that i think right now the majority of people are at the point where they don't want their kids training or even adults training in a mask breathing in the same air um you know that kind of thing i mean i've read some studies but then again like my wife says she'll go uh you know hey how do you know what they're saying is true? Like, and, and if it's against mask or it's for mask, how do we know what's true? Like, why would they say something that's not true? But it's all about the narrative that people are trying to spin. So I don't know who to trust, what to trust. And I certainly don't think I trust the CDC. Well, or the you know, look, unless it's an, N N N N95 mask, that's the only thing that is actually will prevent you from giving or receiving. And, and that's it. You know, the other the other cloth masks and all that other stuff it, there that's not even close to, you know, 50 <laughs> percent. Well, there's a great video on YouTube of a guy who wears an N95 mask and he's a spackler, you know, and you sand the spackle dust and then you have the mask. So, and when he take took his mask off, it's like you could see the 
dust into his nostrils. You could see the dust underneath the mask. So it's like you say to yourself, like, what is it really doing? It is all this like it's not like it's form fitting. No. So there's spaces everywhere. Right. But I guess, you know, and, and even like, you know, Nicole says, too, she's like, you know, well, what about even if it saves like one or two droplets from getting to you or you're spraying your droplets on someone else? I mean, to some extent, caution is good. Right. You know, it's not a bad thing. But at the same time, what what is the ramifications or, or the problems you'll get from wearing the mask or, you know, that kind of thing? Well, so let's kind of move the conversation to, um, you know, what we can prepare for if we are um, faced with another shutdown. Right. So right. what can we prepare for with regards to infrastructure um, and delivering things to our clientele? Yeah. Uh, financial structure so that we can keep, you know, our studios open, because what if there isn't a uh, Right. another ppp or grants or, or anything like that so we've right. got to we've got to kind of solve those issues and take take matters into our own hands because we don't want to leave them in anybody else's hands right yeah well let's talk about you because uh you had um you had this where it happened where you and your main guy had come down with covid right and you had to did you shut down um for a period of time or did you and go to just zoom or how did that work for you like what we what did you immediately snap into place and do well we were okay we had three instructors and uh, left so we were just going to run it on three instructors we just weren't going to teach the whole curriculum cycle um you know those those days right uh, but the problem was one of them said that he felt bad mm -hmm. and that would only leave us two people and okay. there's no way that it was going to be operable with two individuals. So that's the reason why we uh, switched over to virtual. Uh, from there, what we did was it was only uh, three classes. So um, and when I say three classes, my people come either Monday, Wednesday, or they come Tuesday, Thursday. So on one week, it was a Wednesday. And the next week, it was Monday and Wednesday for that group. Right. That other group was a Thursday, and then that was a Tuesday and a Thursday the next week. And then that was right. it. Right. And we went, went back, everybody's fine, unquarantined, yada, yada, yada. Um, so it was a quick switch. I, the infrastructure was already set in place because, you know, we still were doing virtual. We did, for those days, open up um, more uh, virtual opportunities mm -hmm. because we wanted to service the clients um, and give them more options during right. that time period. So we right. had some classes that were on or around the same time that they currently already had. And then we had right. some extra ones that were available as well. Okay. So, um, but that was a pretty quick switch. And, you know, the infrastructure wise, of course, with, with you know, I mean, there are, are, you know, one of our sponsors as well, Spark Membership, it was so simple and easy to switch all of that over. Um, right. And with their system, you know, obviously, you know, they, they get their link delivered to them automatically 15 minutes before class starts via text and email and also push notification on yeah. their app. So um, it was very, very uh, seamless. Um, had only had, uh, you know, one grandma that was very angry at us who did a Facebook review. Her kid, her grandchild was in a trial. And um, and I think I talked about this on a previous episode, but, um, you know, she uh, she was you know, saying stuff that we didn't have masks on and that's why. And, 
you know what we I, I could have gotten COVID not at the studio and that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been why I had you know I didn't have a mask on somewhere else you know what I mean or whatever yeah and so but and then of course they didn't continue their trial they were done you know that type of thing so right. we of course we pissed them off you know or at least the grandma off so yeah I, I think that that's interesting though like so let's go back to um okay so let's say there is another shutdown I, I don't think that there will be. I'm praying that there's not, although you, you never know. But at the same time, it seems to me that people are more resistant, like businesses, to shut down. Like I think I, I think recently I just saw in the city, somebody was going around with posters that says, you know, we are not going to discriminate of vaccinated and non-vaccinated people in this business. And they had, this guy had thousands of posters and he was going around and asking the owners to put it up in their windows. And most people were complying, like they didn't want to do what the government is pushing us to do. And, and you're seeing like, I think there's over 300,000 people in Sweden that were picketing against having to be forcefully vaccinated and so on. So the only reason why I bring this up is because there is that that theme and concept of people not just complying as easily as they did originally because this was a big you know it was a fear like where it was some sort of science fiction movie where the world was going to end um due to this this pandemic right and if we didn't lock ourselves away and don't breathe the outside air we were all going to die so i think that people are a little bit more aware that that's not happening anymore um although this is a very i have a good friend a good client who is um he he got COVID. He's a non-vaxxer and he then got COVID pneumonia. And um, he's after two weeks, he's just now feeling a little bit better that he's going to be able to go back to his dojo soon to start teaching. But um, so there's no joke. This thing is not a joke. But at the same time, we have to be really careful about how far we let the government take it or, or policies and so on. Yeah, but we can only control what we can control. So we've got to take take uh, control of what we what we can do, you know, in order to to, to prep for that. So I would just say, because this variant really is um, a lot more devastating. Uh, yeah. I, I really believe that. I, I've known some people that have gotten it, been in the hospital. Um, you know, it it is a real thing. Right. Um, you know, I'm not trying to poo poo it at, yeah. at all. Uh, but you know, so I, I think, you know, we need to look at if we were to get shut down, we need to already have that plan in place right. just to be prepared, not to be paranoid, but just to be able to launch it when and if we need to launch it. That way we're not under the stress and trying to put it together and launch it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So what would be the first thing that you would say that people should do or a few things that they should have in place just in case? Uh, well, if you did, you know, if you did Zoom before, if you did virtual before, you're still doing it now. I mean, I'm assuming that the way you're doing it now is probably uh, an alteration of what you did when you were totally shut down. Absolutely. So go back and look at your notes. Uh, and if you didn't take any notes, go back and try to, you know, create some notes on, you know, how you structured the classes, what you would have done differently, um, and 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 then come up with a schedule, first and foremost, right. you know. Right. Uh, I know, like, one of the things that we did definitely in the beginning is we looked at how many belt levels we had. So how many people were in each belt level so that we could really service them effectively and what belt levels could we put together um, and what, what, what belt levels we needed to have separate, you know, that type of thing. So I would, I would do that and take a look at those things in numbers, 
so that you have a you know an accurate an accurate picture of how you can service your customers best and come up with a schedule that's going to work um you know in your in your school right now that would be my first and foremost yeah you know what and it's here's my thought so we went from live classes to zoom classes and that was the only option so a good majority 60 percent of my enrollment quit they had no desire to even try it those that tried it a good majority 98 percent of them stuck with it for the entire time that we were doing zoom um it was their outlet it's what they could do it's the only thing they could do they had no other sports they weren't allowed outside so we were coming right into their living room and giving them something that was absolutely necessary and you and i we did bingo nights uh, i did a virtual pet show we did scavenger hunts we did all these great things and um they were they were really something that people needed right so that might be the case now but i think people have a taste for being back live so they went zoom then they went back live and now they're almost going to have to revert back to going back to zoom if that ever happens we have to be prepared to be able to motivate them to stick with it so i think that yeah, yeah say, that's where that's where after you create your your um you know your scheduling you need to really look at the classes and how you're going to deliver them in order to capture the attention and maintain it um whether that is you know uh homework assignments that you've got to give them in right. order for them to complete before the next class and turn in you know so like for us again this is a spark thing but we can create um you know what we call what we have them called practice cards but right. uh, they're just surveys on spark but mm -hmm. you can do that deliver it and then they have to fill out the the practice card that they did x y or z and then of course it shows on our end that they completed it um so there's just some of those small little things that you could add in and then have some sort of reward system that goes along with the amount of practice cards that they get done in an x period of time Kind of like you have your perfect attendance award system correct you know this would be um you know something with regards to your practice card award system you know what i mean yeah and i think that also zoom has come a long way as well so like now they have and they had it at the time we we used it a few times but weren't great at it but they have the breakout rooms you could do you could say, okay, all yellow belts, we're going to put you in the breakout room. And then you'd have, you know, one of the instructors go in there with them and they could teach those kids only how to do whatever weapon move or specific curriculum. So it's much more personalized to those students. So it's not just like this live class. Like I find I have a few handful of people that are training. Um, they're training with me still on Zoom from out of state. And sometimes we just run the class and we have three cameras in our classroom. So we're running the class and they follow along. If I stop the class, those people on Zoom sit down and say uh, on their knees like the other students and just listen. And, um, and then they practice on their own. But of course, they don't have a partner. Um, so one of them does, him and his son train, but the other ones are by themselves. So they've come up with these crazy innovative ways. One girl has a pool noodle with a glove on it and she's doing blocks and wrist locks and all sorts of stuff. It's not quite like what we were doing live, but um, it, it's definitely adaptable. So we have to make sure that we're prepared to make that experience the best ever. Similar to like Peloton, you know, they give you a great class, like whatever yeah. you're doing, it's a phenomenal class. You're just happen to be in your living room. Yeah, and I would add on uh, like we did is have, you know, special guest instructor, um, you know, yeah. nights or night, you know, so every every Friday night or every Saturday morning even, 
um, you know, I would have a special guest instructor that would come on and, and, you know, you'd do an hour training with this guest instructor. You know, you were on, I had yes. uh, our, you know, former Navy yes. SEAL, Kenny Bigby on. Yes. I mean, there was just different instructors and there's enough individuals that we all could help each other out uh, when it comes to that. And that was all free to our, our clientele. Yeah. And by the way, if anyone's listening that if this ever does happen and they want me to go to teach at their school, I'll, I'll gladly jump on Zoom and do it for them and help in any way I can to keep the martial arts alive. I'm sure you would do the same, Dwayne, and even our other buddies. So, but um, so also too, we've been using uh, three camera angles, and it's simple. When you know, I, when the time came, I was like, "What system can I buy? You know, what four thousand dollar professional video system that you know?" And one of my guys goes, "Why don't we just sign in with two different iPads?" And, and then people could choose their camera view. So we did that. We Each classroom that we run, when the parents now, by the way, a lot of our parents are back in the lobby, but there's some of them that are so used to sitting in their car, watching on their phone, listening to music or taking a nap. Um, no pressure, right? So, uh, so they're still scrolling through the three camera angles and finding the best one wherever their kid is standing within the room. Yep. So we made it a little bit better too that way. And, and I think it's important to set um, standards so that parents don't have their kid on a little iPhone, you know, like they maybe got an iPad or a TV and help them set up their facility. Yep. Yep. Let's, um, let's, cause I know we've got our special guest coming on in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. here. Let's talk about monetary uh, increasing, you know, um, your, your, your funds if this happens, right. Or even before this happens. So one of the things that I would do is in planning for this, I would also plan uh, some sort of train at home package that they can purchase that you could deliver to their house or, you know, whatever it is. So be it, you know, uh, you know, boards to work on board breaking, you know, pads to have a friend or family member hold. I mean, just a, a whole bunch of different things that that they could use to train at home with, even if it is, hey, go buy a pool noodle. And, you know, even if they're not buying it from you, but, but you, you, you want to get creative with some of those things, more things that you can get them to purchase from you, the better, uh, the, the better that's going to be. I know shipping times are, are a little hard right now, but um, you may even want to, before this happens, go ahead and, and start doing some train at home packages so that, yeah. you know, and then just call it a, uh, you know, a COVID train, train at home package, you know? Yeah, I like that idea. And that could be that you focus around, especially for, for people that don't do this, but I know I do. Um, but other people could be like focused around the bow staff. You did something like that in your school, right? Where you did an eight week course on whatever that is, or, you know, so that you could make that somewhere where they take the next step in their training and, and by the way, I have to say, like my people, because we weren't doing other things, we were focused on weaponry and bow and the, they came back better than they were before they left because they were so focused on just that. So we would we, we had kids that coming in doing figure eights and flips and turns with their bow and all these different movements. So it's pretty good. And by the way, you know, kata, like not even just like a form. Um, is important, uh, but uh, you could do anything in regards to, you know, like a single individual self-defense moves, you know, like block, slap, punch, that's number one, block, slap, punch, forearm, number two, and you could drill that so that when they do come back and have a partner or they have that pool noodle, 
right? And, you know, they could, they could do that. I think that's a great idea. The students could really benefit from it if you focus on it. And I think what you should do is come up with your, you know, your, your white belt package, your, your black belt package and your master belt package or however you want to label it. But I think it needs to have a, uh, needs to really have a good marketing name along with it. Right. I love that. And by the way, you could set it up through, like if you have software, you could set it up in, in, in our software, Spark University. It could be a training program with all different video lessons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, and, and what that would do is, you know, allow you to like even your biggest package, right? Maybe they have a wave master, uh, in that, in that big package as well. So don't think small, don't think, you know, little bitty items that, that, that they can, uh, you know, I'm holding my quote fingers up afford. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, have the, the, the biggest package being the wave master alongside with, you know, uh, uh, a hundred square foot of uh, mats right, that they right. can put down and like right. I mean, really make a, a really good package that you can sell them so that they can train at home. And, and, and then maybe, you know, look uh, with that package, why don't you put together, you know, a set of videos that will go along with it. You know, for us, we can just put it in the app and then they can do those right. training videos with those exact same things, um, you know, that are inside the app and it would just be classes on demand kind of like yeah. a Peloton type thing. I know there's some live ones on Peloton, but I mean, yeah. some classes on demand uh, well, in order to do that. 90% of Peloton is on demand. So that's yeah. great. Like, you know, you pick your favorite instructor, you pick the ride that you want to do, hip hop, reggae, you know, rock and roll. And then you pick the duration, the difficulty, and then you, and then they, each instructor has multiple different things available. So that might be cool as well, where you could take students and you could say, okay, um, on such and such a night, I'm going to just do bow staff training for X rank and above, or I'm going to do, you know, kicking drills on Thursday, and then we'll have follow-up contests involving who's going to be able to do the jumping spin wheel kick and who does it the highest. And so you just, basically my thought is we have to get creative so that it becomes something that people are engaging in. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is uh, what I would do is uh, when you're creating these things forward, think on how you want them, how you can evergreen them. So what I mean by that is make sure that you record them. Um, and then how can you use them later on, uh, for future clients? So don't make them time stamped, right? Make them in such a way that you're going ahead and creating them so that you can use them later on, maybe as yeah. an upsell. Yeah. And by the way, everything should be evergreen, right? You won't times, you shouldn't timestamp anything you do so that you could always repackage, repurpose, resell, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's time. Let's bring in on our expert. You want to introduce him? It, it's up to you. You could do it. No, go ahead. I'm going to bring right. him on. Let's bring him on. All right. Here he is. Hey. Hey, how's it going, guys? All right. How are you, man? Doing well. Very cool. Very cool. So how's everything going with you and the academies and everybody and your coaching clients? Uh, doing well. Yeah, really, really well. Um, we just had a great success story. We did a uh, testimonial kind of interview with him the other day. He went from like 4,000 in, uh, he was, he was basically been around for six years as a kind of a club fun academy. Um, right. went from, uh, and he was only doing like 4,000 a month, uh, back in May and, and now he's doing 20,000 a month and, um, he was able like, he told a story about, uh, had some, had like a jar of change that, <clears throat> that from time to time, like he didn't have cash, he'd have to go in there and get gas money, <clears throat> excuse me, wow. 
And he said now he's uh, now he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He's got thirty five thousand in the bank, and he's wondering what he should do with his his savings now. <laughs> yeah, well, tell him to save it. You never know what's yeah. going to happen, right? <laughs> so let me let me introduce you to our viewers and our listeners. So uh, this is Lance. He owns Academy Kings. He also owns a, a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu schools, and you're a coach, and you're one of our our sponsors. We love having you, and um, and your partner too is always commenting, Jonathan, and he's oh, a cool guy. Um, I said one day we got to have him on with you. I don't know if he's a, he's you're the spokesperson and he's the quiet one, but yeah, he's he's a thing. little. Higher than I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, but uh, I saw that that you mark you. I saw that testimonial, and I saw that that success thing. So Dwayne and I's topic today, and and it's kind of weird because we don't know. We're in the what if stage. Like, what if we get mandated again? What if we get shut down? This new variant, you know, vaccination cards, all that stuff. What have you been coaching your people on that you coach in regards to the what if scenario? Like, how is that going for you? Because you guys are BJJ. You're on each other. You're yeah. touching each other. You're breathing on each other. What's the, what's going on with you guys? So you know, my thing, and even you know rewind to the first one uh it was like we didn't know what was going to happen and so my thing is always like sales is the lifeblood of your business um so it's like if you're open you go hard you try to get as many sales as you can you get as much revenue and recurring revenue that you can um and you like we said kind of stack that cash up um because we don't know what's going to happen i know like looking back at the first one a lot of people especially in the jujitsu scene they wanted to be uh, I guess, you know, they, they wanted to do the right thing in their mind or, or maybe it was a statement. I don't know what it was, but a lot of people, even before the mandates of shutting down happened, were like, oh, I'm going to shut down because it's the right thing to do. Right. And then thinking it's going to be a 30 day window or, you know, 60 day window. And then, you know, 60 days later, we're still shut down. 90 days later, we're still shut down. And then these same guys that were like, it's the right thing to do to shut down early. We're like, man, I don't have any money and uh, I need to get my doors back open. We, we need to open up the doors. So it's like, um, you know, I think you, you go by the rules, obviously, but you don't you don't go ahead of the rules. Like you don't make things uh, put things in place or, or close down early uh, if you don't have to. Yeah, don't make it more difficult on yourself other than to what they're making you do. And and then maybe look at that and and as well, right? Yep. I think, you know, uh, back then people were looking at, oh, it's like a 30-day vacation. We can shut down the school. This thing's going to blow over. Right. And then, you know, a year later, we're still, or a year and a half later, we're still dealing with it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I remember coaching so many self-defense slash BJJ schools that said to me, how am I supposed to teach if I can't, uh, it's just them at home by themselves. I teach jujitsu. I teach ninjutsu. I do Aikido. And I had to coach people to say like, listen, you could drill. And a good friend of mine, his Kenny Bigby, his name is, he's a former Navy SEAL. He developed this video on how to make a BJJ buddy out of a sweatsuit and sweatpants. Yep. And that thing went viral. It's got like tens of thousands of views on how to put it together. And then we had him, Dwayne and I both had him in our school and he just drilled all the grappling drills with a medicine ball, yep. you know, how to, how to balance, how to, you know, go from top mount to side mount to cross mount transitioning. So there's a lot to do that I think a lot of people were afraid that they wouldn't be able to keep people interested and they shut down. They just gave up. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is that everybody always wants to compare themselves to kind of someone else, usually in a negative way. Like my school's not that big. Like uh, I'm not that famous. Like why would someone buy my online course? You know, all of these kind of things. 
where one of the mindsets that you have to have is like, if you know a little bit more than someone else, like you're kind of an expert to that person. So right. like a lot of people under you that maybe you have a lot more knowledge of martial arts, of business, of whatever. So like you can help them in the, in the uh, divide that they don't have up to your knowledge base. So, right. you know, the, the other thing, and, and it kind of uh, goes in with that as well is like, that's what a lot of the jujitsu guys like, you can't do it jujitsu wise. You know, why would someone buy my course when they can go out and get Lovato Jr.'s course or whoever Marcelo Garcia's online thing? And so what we have to remember is that most of us, like most martial arts schools in general, are not catering to high black belt level people. Like right. we're catering to mom and pops and kids down the street, and they may have never done jujitsu. Maybe they've right. always wanted to, but they were always scared. I'm going to go in and get beat up. Like I don't want to be at an MMA gym right. or whatever it is. So now you you have another way to bridge the gap of like getting someone in your door. Like now it's like, oh, I'm just going to advertise this to all of the people around my academy. And for us, it was really good because now we didn't have to go five miles out. We were doing like the whole state of Maryland. We were doing the whole zip code of uh, or not zip code, the whole time zone of the eastern time zone so that the classes would be the same time. But we're just advertising it out and we're picking up the phone, calling people and selling them two ninety nine packages for six weeks. But I think just having that mindset of like, man, I got to make a pivot. And then I have something that somebody wants. I just have to be willing and confident in my program and my abilities to go out and give it to them. Yeah, I, I like that. And um, I, I think that that's important for everyone to realize that, like, I, I just, there was somebody who posted on one of your comments. I think I misunderstood him and one of you guys, correctly, but he had said that he had to learn that knowledge was that not that valuable. And I thought he meant that, you know, he, he didn't feel like knowledge is as important as people think it is. Yep. But, uh, so I was like, no, dude, your, your, you know, your knowledge is worth so much. Right. So, you know, we may not be famous. You know, we might not be uh, MMA fighters or YouTubers or whatever, but our not we have to figure out what we're good at, what our niche is, what our what makes us the purple cow and separates us, right? Yep. From the rest. So, so Dwayne, did you have any questions on anything? Yeah. Well, before before we had hopped on, we were talking about you know just for the school owners because again, we don't know if we're going to get closed again, right? So advice we gave just a brief synopsis is you probably need to go back and look at what you did. If you didn't take notes, you better take some notes on what you did and, and, and how it worked for you and what you could do better. Yeah. Second to that is go ahead and come up with, uh, you know, some sort of schedule that you can put into place if and when this, this happens. Um, and, and we talked a little bit on, you know, on, on, on how to do that. But then we, we also said that, you know, this time around, you're going to have to be even better. Um, you know, in order to keep their attention and those type of things. So to kind of add on to that, I'm kind of curious now that you're kind of caught up to what we talked about with yep. regards to that aspect. Do you have any other thing that you would add to that? Well, I think, um, you know, again, obviously we want to we want to look at the what ifs, um, but we want to, I think, really focus. We don't want to get too hung up on that because it may not happen. So if I spend hours and weeks and months, you know, devising all this stuff, but then it doesn't happen, like that's wasted energy. So we want to First and foremost, I think make as much money as you can right now, again, to stack that money up to be able to, if something does happen, maybe there's not going to be PPP. Maybe there's not going to be EIDL money. All of these grants and bonuses may not come back out. So you want to have cash to be able to get you, you through this time again right. um, first. And then obviously, like you said, you know, you look at the military, anything like that, you always have a debrief, right? And the debrief, no matter what you're doing, we're, we're looking at 
hey, what went right? What went wrong? How do we fix it? How do we improve it? Like you said, so anything that you do, you know, whether it was COVID related or not, like if you have an event on Friday night for a parents night out, like you should have a debrief the next Monday. What went well? What went bad? How do I improve it? How do I make more money? Whatever. Right. So always kind of having that improvement process in place. Mm -hmm. And then as far as going into if we did get shut down again, you need to be able to pivot. You need to pivot quickly. You don't want to wait. Um, you know, like I said, when we did it, we did it within two weeks. We took all of our people off of in-person training to online training. Um, you want to have an offer that you can sell. So you want to be able to move current students to that online offer. And then you want to bring in new students because current students are going to be falling off again. So you want to have an offer that you can sell to new people to generate money. Um, and then as that money generates, you're going to, again, turn them into full members or however that works. But the idea of having an offer, you know, Dwayne's got a great uh, kind of health coaching kind of thing that he does on the side. That's a, you know, you don't need a brick and mortar facility for that. You're doing that, you know, just straight texting, right? Most people, um, and, you know, you look at Beachbody, you look at Peloton, all of these things, like most people don't need motivation. Um, you know, they're all motivated at some point. Most of them need accountability. Yeah. So accountability is the thing where if I'm health coaching, if I'm teaching martial arts, if I'm uh, you know, doing business coaching, whatever, the accountability portion of that is what you can't get on a Peloton bike. You can't get on a Beachbody app. Um, so you want to build in that one-on-one -on -one personal accountability. And that's really what's going to separate us from everyone else. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, you know, I'm, I'm, thanks for bringing up the health coaching because that was, that's been huge for, for me. But uh, the, the other thing that you brought up with regards to that is the accountability piece is you can build that into your uh, current members. So, yep. you know, you have a base price of what X, whatever, um, you know, a, an upgraded price could be the accountability piece where, you know, well, hey, look, we're going to check in. And uh, did you do this this week, this, this week, this week? You know, like, what are your big threes for the week? And, yep. da, da, da. and you can build that in. And that doesn't take a lot of time uh, to do that. No, and a lot, a lot of it can be automated to a point, like obviously an automation, if someone responds, you want to respond back or they know it's just an automation. So, you know, we use different softwares and stuff to, to help us with that. That's how our six-week programs work. And that's how we sell that six-week program for $600. We, we have a level of accountability. We call it mentorship, but basically it's, it's accountability. It's checking in with them. It's touching base with them, uh, making sure that they understand Oh, you had that armbar technique last night. Did you understand that? Did you get it? How'd you do? Okay, great. And it's just a simple conversation like that builds a ton of value and a, an amazing experience for the client. Yeah, no, I like that. I love that. Like, and I know we segued into the health coaching. So I would like to ask both of you this question. So like accountability is goal setting, right? So we want to set goals for people or have them set them themselves. And then, you know, I think that that's really essential. Like if we do go back to just being on Zoom is having this personal accountability with each and every student so that they have milestones where they find themselves not just sitting around doing stuff for the sake of it, but they're actually moving forward and they're actually getting better at their arm bar or their bow staff or their whatever they're doing. And uh, Dwayne, for you, how do you, how do you guys, well, both of you, the question is, how do you set that accountability up? Like for you with health coaching, Dwayne, how do you do that where um, people are into the goal or do you help them with the goal or, or do they just set wild goals? Like what do you do with them? Well, I mean, primarily most people are wanting to do it to lose weight. Um, some, 
want to, uh, you know, so depending on what it is, you know, they want to lose weight, they, they want to sleep better, they want to ache less, you know, uh, have better response to stress, whatever it is. I mean, you got to find that out first. And then from there, obviously the program, um, just kind of like the martial arts program, if you will, you know, it can tailor, be tailored to any of those. It's not, you know, one size fits all. Oh, this is only going to help with weight loss, you know, but so one, we've got to find out what it is that they're looking for Two, from there. Then, um, you know, the, the losing the weight is actually the easiest part. (laughs) The the hardest part is the mental part, you know, changing their mental mindset. So I, I liken to what we do very similar to what we do at the studio, you know, the, the martial arts for me at the studio, it, it really is a character development, um, you know, uh, it's a character development system with a martial arts component. And the same thing with me with health coaching, it's really a life, um, you know, life skills or, 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 or lifestyle, comp- uh, you know, with a weight loss component. And so, you know, first and foremost, we got to find out what, a, what target they shooting at so that we can come up with, you know, uh, milestones for them to hit. Same thing with you, um, Lance, is it something like that? Even when you're doing coaching, it's all about goal setting. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So you obviously, you know, like Zig Ziglar, if you, you know, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. <laughs> like the idea, like you have to be able to set goals. Um, and there's lots of theories on it. Like, you know, Grant Cardone's like 10 X. Like if you want to make a million dollars, you got to say you're going to make 10 million and that's your goal because you're probably not going to hit your goal anyways, kind of idea. Um, and then there's other people like it has to be attainable. I like kind of, I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I want to push myself a little bit beyond the attainable. Like, you know, if I want to make a thousand dollars in the next two days, like I'm going to put that at 1500 because I think I could do a thousand, but 1500, maybe a stretch, you know, whatever it is. But the idea of like a little bit beyond attainable, because I don't think you have to hit your goals all the time uh, in order to be successful or to keep motivating or anything like that. Um, I think as long as you're working towards those and you're seeing improvement, you will start to pick up that momentum yourself. Um, again, I don't think you have to exactly hit that goal. So yeah, obviously you got to set some goals. And then again, from there, you have to have some kind of accountability, whether it's accountability to a, you know, a group, like we have a mastermind group that people come in, they do their numbers every week. We talk about their goals. We figure out game plans, stuff like that. Um, so some kind of accountability, whether that's built in accountability, like literally I'm texting you. Um, checking in on you or group accountability, meaning like, you know, that you're accountable to these other people because you've set a goal in front of them. And now you're kind of like personally um, uh, wanting to hit that, to be able to, to get to that status, right? Like most of us are at some level of our being like status driven more than anything. Um, So it's like, do you, you know, if it's weight loss, do you want to be the sexy mom in the bikini that everybody's like, oh, wow, look at her. Like, do you want to be uh, the dad that's all buff and and everybody's like, oh man, he's a monster. Like, what is that status that the person is looking for? Do you want to have the biggest uh, school in your area? Do you want to have the most revenue school in your area? Like, what is it? And then that status is going to be what helps you get to that attainable goal um, or to your goal. Um, so I think it can be different layers of, of accountability, I guess, in a roundabout way. <laughs> I, I love that. Look, like I heard what you said and I'm thinking like, okay, if we did go back for COVID, it'd be kind of cool to set up little mini mentorship groups within your, your student base. Like, you know, beginners, you know, they would be able to have a mentor that would maybe work with them in specific classes here and there or whatever it can be to tie them further to the program so that they don't want to jump ship and get the heck out of there. 
somebody that is going to hold them accountable. It is going to watch their specific growth and keep on working until they get better and better. And um, it sounds almost exciting in a way because people could, even if they were on Zoom, they could end up becoming better and better and better until they're able to get back in, in, in you know, face-to-face classes. So I like that. That's a great idea. The mentorship aspect is pretty powerful. Well, and even what you said, Lance, with regards to, I mean, that's a, you didn't use this this term, but I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's an upgrade where, uh, yeah, you can you can learn the the moves, and you know we're going to teach you in class. But if you want that extra layer, um, you know maybe that is also allows you to get X number of private lessons or you know whatever it is. Uh, you know, we as school owners could come up with, you know, yeah. something to that fits our. Um, you know, structure inside of our school, yet not tax us in a way that, that, you know, we don't like our job anymore because we're doing too much or more than what we want to do or whatever, but there's a way to do it. So yeah, we found, we found, so we've been doing it for a long time, the accountability uh, portion of even in our in-person classes, our trial, we do a six week kind of paid trial that we do. um, And we, we assign um, an accountability coach or a mentor um, to that, to each person that comes through that program. Um, we pay them $25 for that mentorship for that six week period. Um, we also, so they're during that time, those people are building rapport, they're building friendships during this mentorship program. So we also give that coach the opportunity to sell them into what we call our blue belt program, or if it's like a fitness kickboxing program, our extended fat loss program. Um, but we give them that that same mentor the the ability to to upsell them into our twelve month membership, uh, and then if they sell them, we give them a fifty dollar bonus. So depending if you know in that six week period, they're making you know twenty five to seventy five dollars per person that they're mentoring, um, and we've 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 got a bunch of them that do that, uh, and we found it's about twenty five to thirty is going to be kind of the the point where uh, you get a little overwhelmed. Um, if you're, if you're texting them manually and, and kind of responding manually and calling and stuff like that. Yep. I like that. That's pretty powerful stuff. So that's great. So, I mean, um, let's, what, let's what do you think, right? Yeah, no, I was going to ask you, so we, we need, we need to stock up on money. I mean, we need to have a stockpile. Yes. Um, sure. <laughs> especially if this happens again, what are, you know, what, what, what are some of the things that you're telling your clients to, you know, to do in order to stock up that money? So um, I, and I guess maybe one thing that I'm thinking of is, are you straightening out their percentages <laughs> with regards to expenses and rent and, and payroll and, and, and all that in order to be able to save money? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So we, we do, um, we follow kind of, I don't know if you've heard the book profit first, uh, but we kind of follow a guide kind of like profit first for, um, for our Academy owners. Um, and, and we kind of teach them how to do that. Basically, you know, if, if, if you've never heard of that before, it's a great book. Uh, Michael, somebody, I can't think of it, um, but Profit First. And um, basically what you do is, is you just want to allocate, um, you want to basically set up bank accounts. Uh, so you basically, the idea of this is like, I'm paying myself first. So I'm taking a little bit of profit out of every um, every month. Every month I'm moving some profit into a category or, or a bank account that's labeled profit. We have a tax one. We have an operations one. We have an owner's um, compensation one, things like that. So every month money comes in. Typically what most academy owners are doing is doing what they call like, you know, bank account uh, or checking account financing, meaning 
they just money comes into the checking account. They write the money out of the checking account. And at the end of the month, there's no money left or very little money left. Um, so what we want to do is kind of give those dollars places to go. So even if I'm only, you know, pulling a hundred dollars out of, into my profit mo uh, monthly, it's something that I didn't have before typically. Um, so we want to set these percentages and then start to m allocate that money to where we want it. Um, so at the end of the year, I have money to pay my taxes. I have money in my profit thing. Um, and, and we teach them to kind of do this on a quarterly basis. So every quarter you have your profit and you take that out of the business because we don't want to get to a situation where we've been in business 10, 12 years, five years, whatever it is, and we've never taken any profit out. Everybody's kind of go-to is like, oh, I'm reinvesting in my business, aka I don't make any profit and I have to put all my money back into my business. Right. So, you know, we want to build a system to get profit at the end of the day. And, and how we do that is kind of through this method of just little, you know, maybe you start at 1%, but eventually we want to get that profit or taxes up to 10, 15, 20% um, of our revenue. Perfect. Yeah, the book is uh, Profit First by Michael. Um, Some with the M, I can't think of it. Michalowicz. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So that's interesting. I, I you know, I find that, um, Lance, the hardest thing when working with new or people who are not business owners is to try to figure out, and it's kind of such an, e and, and, you know, it's not taught in school, is a very difficult concept for people mentally to just simply take the two numbers, take all their expenses whether it be personal expenses in one column, all their business expenses in another, a subtotal of both together, right? And then and then find out what you're bringing in and then figure out what the difference is between the two. And you only have two choices, right? You're either making money and you don't know where it's going or you're spending more than you should be. Um, and now we have to reduce our overhead. So I always suggest to my clients to always look at their overhead and see what they could reduce when it comes to overspending or wasted money or- um, and so on and so forth. And that's important. But the only different, I guess, mindset that I have instead of thinking how I decrease, like I'm always looking also like, obviously, I'm going to decrease if there's uh, things, but I always want to look at how do I increase that revenue? Right. Right. Because, because it's a two way, right? I can stay the same and I can decrease or what I'd rather do is increase that and decrease. the exactly. bottom. And yeah. now I've, you know, I've got a bigger profit margin at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I agree with that a thousand percent. We don't want to stay stagnant. We want to grow, but we also want to learn where we're wasting money. Because I, I know if I go back in time, um, you know, I was doing in some of my schools, a hundred thousand a month, 60,000 a month. And um, I look back at how I was, I was buying people company cars for, vacation, <laughs> for Christmas. I, I mean, I had people that, you know, I was, it was craziness. And I look back going like, if I would have saved some of that money, um, and been a little bit more conservative because it didn't benefit me, the things that I was doing, because I didn't get better loyalty or better buy-in. So I look back and I go, wow, I, you know, I, I should have changed that mindset. I think though, I love your mindset grow, but at the same time, decrease your overhead if possible. Yep. And then the bottom line is just increase your profitability. Well, and I think what you're saying is don't have a depression mindset. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's OK to decrease um, your your expenses, but don't do it with from a depression mindset. And what I mean by that is the, the, the people that lived through the depression, yeah. their mindset was a scarcity mindset. Right. So, or, or abundance. Right. There's some yeah. people. Right. You got to have that abundance mindset rather than the scarcity mindset. Yeah. But I think you're, you're talking about a pragmatic approach is what you're what you're yeah. talking about. So, yeah. You always want to look at both sides of the equation to, you know. There's, I've, I've done a video. There's basically three ways to grow your business. 
get more get more money, get more students, or um, decrease uh, or not not um, not grow your school, but make it more profitable or decrease your expenses. So it's right. like you want to you want to be clipping each one of those. You want to be decreasing your expenses. You want to be adding more students, and then you also want to be learning how to leverage the students that you do have, like Dwayne's health coaching. Again, like we do a similar health coaching idea um, where, where we take, you know, we, our typical membership, people are paying about 49 to $59 a week for that um, jujitsu membership. Um, and then what we do is like, we offer a health coaching program that we charge another $49 a week for on top of that. Um, and again, it's nothing, it's nothing magical. It's like accountability is built into it. It's like, Hey, make sure you're eating clean, take some supplements, do these kind of things, go out and take a walk with your wife after, you know, after work, if you're not coming to the gym that day, um, you know, so a couple of these things. So like we've added another membership basically to a person that has a membership already. So how do we grow that lifetime value? How do we increase that student value? Okay, cool. Yeah. So we're, we're running out of time. So if we, if, if uh, Lance, you could just give us some closing ideas on what you would think with people, you know, the what if scenario, if we do get or whatever, it happens again, or whatever, how you've told us a few, number one, make more money. What would be your last few, <laughs> your, your last few? That's always going to be my go to make more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it does oh. solve the problem, right? It does. I mean, you know, like, not to boast or brag or something like that, but at, at that point back in March of, of 2020, you know, we had a few hundred thousand dollars sitting aside of, of money that we, you know, if we never sold again for two years, like we would be able to pay our bills. Um, and that was because of, of a lot of these principles that we're teaching, you know, make money upfront on people walking in your door, make sure your, your uh, expenses are as low as possible. Um, how do you increase that value you know, if you already have somebody as a student, how do you get more money from that person? We're not going to nickel and dime them. I want to give them good, valuable things to be able to, um, you know, making a dollar off water is great, but I would rather make, you know, $200 off of a supplement package or something like that. Um, so having these things kind of in place is going to give you that ability. You know, a lot of the schools that I talk to, they only have one to three months of uh, expenses set aside, some not even that much. So it's like if they get shut down or if they don't have money coming in, like they're, they're done. Um, so uh, you don't want to be in that situation. You want to have reserves, you want to have access to reserves and you want to be able to make money from that student base. So one, obviously make that money up front, um, put some of these systems in place to make sure you have some profit at the end of the day. Um, that if nothing else is going to make your wife, girlfriend, husband, whatever happy that you can take them out to dinner on the business account or take that money from the business. Say we're actually making money now. This is a this is a change. Um, and then I think having the courage to any and this is not just if COVID, this is any time that you feel like uh, it's a bad time. Right. Like a lot of martial arts schools stop advertising in the summer. Terrible right. idea. Um they stop advertising over the winter or the uh, holidays. Terrible idea. Yeah. Like you need to constantly be advertising. You need to constantly yeah. be getting a flow of students into your school. Um, and then that's going to give you that confidence. And, and if you know how to convert them and get that money up front, you're going to have more confidence to keep spending money on advertising. Um, right. but I guess the last thing would be just have the confidence um, in yourself and in your program to value it at a price that you could sell it online, you know, $99, uh, $199, $299. Just give you some, some data that we have. 
$299 is the price point that someone will pay for a 28-day or a six-week program over the phone, one call. Like just call them up, talking to them. We sell for $299, no problem. In person, we can go to $599, no problem. First person walks in the door, we sit down, we talk to them, we sell them at $599. Above those price points, in person or on the phone, you need to change it up. Either have two calls, have a, have a set call and a regular call. But the idea of that price point at $299, it's the exact same sale at $99 or at $59 or at $49. You can get that $299 price point. So having the confidence to go do that and then learn the skills to be able to um, get the um, knowledge of the scripts. Like, how do I build a script? How do I figure out a phone script if I have to sell over the phone, right? And a group like you guys have, like I have, all of those things are going to help learn those skills to be able to do it. Perfect. Love it. That's right on time too. Check that out. Yeah. Right at 1230. I love it. Thanks for coming on with us today, man. It's great to have you. Anybody wants to reach out to you. It's Academy. It's, is it academykings.com? There's something. Yeah. Academykings.com should get you there. We actually have, um, get, get, what is it? Get new students. Something. I don't even know what it is. I think I wrote it down though. Uh, get new students.com. Right. So I do a, I do an hour webinar that talks exactly how to do the stuff that I talked about how to get more leads, how to get them to show up, and then how to convert them into a, a higher paying upfront ticket. Awesome. And we, we is, that a, uh, is that an HTTPS or just HTTP? Uh, I, now you're talking way beyond my I, knowledge. I don't, think, I don't think it would matter. Dwayne. I think it's just a www. Dot. Yeah, and then it, it, <laughs> it, the, the HTTPS is just a uh, secured uh, site where you charge money, so I'm sure you have that on there already. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, it's HTTPS. I just want to yeah. drop it in the comments. So that's okay. there now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah like I said, it's a free webinar. I kind of talk about a lot of this stuff in a little bit more detail. It's about 50 minutes long, I believe. Um, so you can go in there, check that out. And we also put the book up, Profit First, by uh, Alan uh, or Michael McCallowitz or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to get that myself. That looks, looks like a good book. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for being a part of what we do and, and for being on here as a guest, uh, guest and an expert advisor. And, Absolutely. uh, yeah, if you want to close it up and you're going to play the outro, but uh, thank you so much for everyone who's listening too. It was a great yeah, Thank call. you. Have a good day, guys. All right. Take it take easy. Care. Thanks for joining us for another episode of martial arts school owner talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors please check out EliteInsights.com for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, the best darn software for school owner manager on the planet. GetKarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your school systems. We will see you next time.